With LinkedIn Jobs, we tap into a network of more than a billion professionals to help you find quality professionals quickly and easily for any role you need. Marketing wizards? Found them. Software engineers? Found. That project manager I could never seem to hire? And found. LinkedIn Jobs quickly matches your roles with candidates with the right skills and experience. In fact, 86% of small businesses get a qualified candidate within 24 hours. Post your first job for free and get started at linkedin.com slash acquire. That's linkedin.com slash acquire. Terms and conditions apply. BP added more than $70 billion to the U.S. economy in 2022. Investments like acquiring America's largest biogas producer, Arkea Energy, and starting up new infrastructure in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America. Welcome to the Caixin Seneca Business Brief, a joint podcast from The China Project and Caixin Global. We bring you the most critical business and finance news from China. I'm Kaiser Guo from the Seneca Podcast, part of The China Project. On this week's episode, Apple's stock price suffers amid reports that iPhones have been banned by some Chinese government agencies, while Chinese steel and solar companies eye overseas expansion. Plus, August data suggest China could be through the worst of its trade slump. But first, let's look at China's spending on luxury items. This year, Chinese consumers have re-emerged as a significant driving force of growth in the global luxury goods market. Several multinational companies with high-end luxury brands reported strong year-on-year revenue growth in the Asia-Pacific region, excluding Japan, and this is largely attributed to China's reopening in December. With Chinese tourism also making a strong post-pandemic comeback, many brands are seeing a significant portion of Chinese consumers making luxury purchases outside of China. LVMH, which manages brands including Louis Vuitton and Christian Dior, saw year-on-year revenue growth of more than 20% in Asia, excluding Japan, in the first half of this year, outpacing its increase in sales worldwide. While a low sales base in 2022 has helped companies like Hermes, Prada, and Richemont boast high growth figures this year, the longer-term prospects remain optimistic. BCG and a Tencent research team expect luxury spending in China to increase by up to 20% this year. The number is a positive sign that consumer confidence is returning, but high youth unemployment and a slump in the real estate market have made many companies cautious about the broader retail market. Apple has less positive numbers to report after it experienced a significant drop in its stock value this week following a report that some Chinese government agencies have barred staff from using iPhones and other foreign-branded devices at work. Apple enjoys widespread popularity in China, which is its largest international market, but continued American efforts to contain the country's technology industry have given rise to growing resentment of the U.S., In its effort to reduce reliance on U.S. technology, China has been discouraging the use of foreign technologies, particularly in sensitive government agencies. Bloomberg reported that last year, Beijing ordered central government agencies and state-backed corporations 
to replace foreign-branded personal computers with domestic alternatives within two years. Meanwhile, the Biden administration has sought to limit exports of cutting-edge semiconductor equipment to China, and Chinese semiconductor giant SMIC has come under scrutiny for supplying components to Huawei, which remains blacklisted by the U.S. Despite these tensions, Apple remains highly dependent on China, which serves as both a manufacturing partner and a market for its products. Now turning to the Middle East, China-based solar sector supplier GCL Technology is in advanced discussions with Saudi Arabia to construct its first overseas factory in the oil kingdom. Hong Kong-listed GCL is the world's second-largest manufacturer of polysilicon, a key ingredient in the production of solar panels. Saudi Arabia is seen as an attractive location for polysilicon production due to its mature infrastructure, experience in industrial manufacturing, and abundant sunlight. GCL's expansion into Saudi Arabia comes as China last month extended an invitation to the Middle Eastern nation to join the BRICS group, reflecting growing ties between the two countries. GCL's decision to expand comes amid a challenging time for the polysilicon market. Prices have declined significantly this year, and an oversupply is expected in the second half but the lower prices have helped boost demand in China, with the country expected to install a record capacity of up to 140 gigawatts of solar energy this year. By expanding into Saudi Arabia, GCL hopes to tap into the country's market potential and benefit from higher polysilicon prices in international markets. It is also hoped that the move will facilitate the distribution of polysilicon to African and European markets. And more on international expansion, the world's largest steel producer, China Baowu Steel Group, has forged a deal with a Chinese-backed consortium to develop part of the Simandu mine in West Africa. The deal will see Baowu work with winning consortium Simandu to develop two blocks in the northern part of the Simandu project in Guinea. The Simandu mine is believed to be the world's largest untapped deposit of high-grade iron ore. As the world's largest consumer of iron ore, China sees the mine as a crucial avenue to reduce its reliance on iron ore suppliers in Australia, amid a sometimes fractious relationship with Canberra. On the trade front, China's trade slump eased in August as the world's second-largest economy is trying to regain momentum. China's overseas shipments fell almost 9% in dollar terms year-on-year, while imports contracted about 7%. Although still in a downturn, both figures are better than estimates and significantly less severe than July's. Exports were a key source of growth for China during the pandemic, but muted global demand this year has exacerbated the country's economic slowdown. Meanwhile, an ailing property sector and weak business confidence remain key sources of economic strain within China. Chinese authorities have so far avoided providing any large-scale fiscal stimulus amid concerns over the country's debt levels, but incremental measures have helped bolster domestic demand and consumer confidence. The yuan has also suffered setbacks, having traded at its weakest level in years. Even as trade data begin to improve, 
pessimism about the yen and the expectation that U.S. interest rates will remain high could continue to dampen investor confidence. Some economists are predicting that China may fall short of its annual GDP growth target of 5%. For our final story, before we move on to the interview section, Premier Li Chang has proposed a conference for East Asian economies to strengthen supply chain integration. Li made the comments during the ASEAN Plus 3 Summit in Jakarta this week. The proposed conference for next year aims to deepen regional industrial collaboration, better leverage geographic proximity and economic complementarity, and improve East Asia's economic competitiveness. Amid a growing trend of decoupling, Li used his speech at the summit to urge participants to manage differences constructively and oppose a, quote, new Cold War, unquote, mentality. He also sought support from participants to approve Hong Kong's membership in the RCEP, the RCEP, the Regional Comprehensive Economic Partnership, the world's largest free trade pact. Also on the summit agenda was the development of an ecosystem for electric vehicles, or EVs, Li expressed Beijing's willingness to deepen cooperation in the fields of EV and clean energy. Let's turn now to Jonathan Breen, an editor at Caixin Global, uh, for a look at a budding market in a new technology. Uh, hello, Jonathan. Welcome back to the show. Thank you, Kaiser. It's a pleasure as always. Let's talk about a fascinating piece that you worked on recently about three-dimensional or 3D organs being grown on microscopic chips. I am sure that many people are out there scratching their heads right now trying to imagine, well, trying to figure out what it is that I just said. It's it's quite mind-boggling, really, to the uninitiated, like frankly, like myself. But can you give us an introduction to this technology? Sure. So what we're talking about here are minute, 3D slivers of the human body. I want to clarify that just in case you're picturing a tiny working heart sitting on a petri dish, these lab-grown cell cultures are called organoids, and the technology is aptly named organoid on a chip. It combines organoids with an older version of the technology which uses two-dimensional tissue. Okay, so organoid on a chip. Uh, this sounds amazing, but why are people taking tiny little slivers of organs and putting them on chips? Well, these organoids reproduce the cellular and molecular composition of living tissue, such as an organ or a tumor. Now, imagine for a moment the implications for scientific research and healthcare. For example, researchers could test the efficacy of a new drug on a specific part of the human body in an easily observable environment. And is this being done already? Yes. In China, researchers at Southeast University have created a so-called heart-on-a-chip that can help develop drugs for treating cardiac hypertrophy, which is when the heart becomes thickened, making it harder for the muscle to pump blood. The researchers have been able to observe clear changes in the heartbeat and heart muscle contraction using the chip technology. Also in China, scientists were able to create an organoid on a chip that replicated the effect of COVID-19 on lungs, which was used by one local authority during the pandemic to evaluate vaccine efficacy. 
the possibilities for the pharmaceutical industry must be pretty huge then. Indeed they are. Pharmaceutical companies and healthcare investors around the world are showing increasing interest in these 3D organ-like chips because of their promising applications in drug development and personalized healthcare. And the market for this technology is doing well in the West, but in China, it's still struggling to take off. What is the problem then with the Chinese market? Well, the main issue is there is little to no regulation. Industry insiders told Saishin that the extent to which drug regulators recognize the data generated by organoid-on-a-chip technology and the degree of compliance by companies are two of the key factors affecting the future of the domestic market. Currently, there are no government standards regulating the industry, only certain standards that companies themselves have agreed upon with each other. However, standards on the use of the technology are being discussed. By comparison, in January, the US allowed the use of organoids on a chips instead of animals to test new drugs, which gave a real boost to the technology's development in the country. Let's assume for a moment that organoid on a chip becomes regulated in China. What are the prospects for the technology in the domestic Chinese market? So one of the areas where it has the most to offer is personalized medical care. Take someone suffering with cancer, for example. The technology could be used to find the most effective treatments by replicating the patient's cancerous tumors on one of these chips. That can be used for what they call drug susceptibility testing. And there's a huge market for this in China which is adding about 4 million new cancer patients every year. And they're all potential users of this personalized medical service. Wow. Presumably there are many companies in China already then trying to capitalize on this niche in the healthcare market. Exactly. In 2022 alone, about a dozen Chinese startups joined the race to develop and commercialize the technology. And one organoid-on-a-chip manufacturer in Beijing told Saishin that the number of pharmaceutical companies asking them about collaboration opportunities has increased significantly this year. Because ultimately, organoids-on-chips can be used in the entire process of drug development. Interest from investors has also grown rapidly in the past few years. According to a white paper published on a Chinese healthcare service platform, companies in China working on organoids and organoids-on-chips received $55 million in financing in 2022, which is a significant jump from the $34 million received a year earlier. Yeah, I'm, I'm really curious to see whether these investments pan out. I suppose we will see. Uh, meanwhile, thank you. That was absolutely fascinating. Great overview of this technology and its potential, Jonathan. And I hope to hear more about it in the future. It's my pleasure. Thanks, Kaiser. My pleasure as well. And if our listeners are interested in more details of this story, please head on over to Caixin Global. And that's it for this week. Thanks for listening. The Caixin Seneca Business Brief was produced by Kaiser Guo and by Madeline McDonald, Lin Jingbing, Kelsey Chung, and Bertrand Tio at Caixin Global. Special thanks to Li Xin of Caixin Global. Thanks to Spring and Autumn for the music. Check out some of the other great podcasts in the Seneca Network, like the amazing China in Africa and China Global South podcasts. And for daily news and views, make sure to subscribe to Access from the China Project. Again, 
Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Take care.